Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Football is back. AB is in Oakland. Le'Veon's with the Jets. OBJ and Jarvis Landry have teamed up again in Cleveland. One thing that hasn't changed, though, where I'm placing my bets this season. My bookie is the place to bet on football every weekend. My bookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book, period. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least $100,000, and it only costs $100 to enter. All you got to do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash prize pool. I would only recommend a service to our listeners that's been good to us. That's why my bookie is always the right play. You bet, you win, they pay. MyBookie has live in-game betting on every NFL game. They've got the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score in each game. Up to $1,000 first deposit bonus. Double your first deposit. Put in $100 and MyBookie will give you an extra $100 to gamble with. Use promo code CHAIR to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today at MyBookie.ag. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E dot A-G. And don't forget to use the promo code CHAIR when creating your account to claim the bonus. Terms and conditions apply. Bet, win, get paid. Boys, it's Jeremy W. Miller. Neil the rebound. Kevin Alley brings it up. Throws it across. Miller for three. Oh, he backed it in. He backed it in. And the game is tied. We're going to overtime. Over the rebound for his ninth. 18 points, nine rebounds, six oh. assists. Oh, 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 oh my the my. chicken. Double time. Miles Turner. Yeah. Welcome to the NBA, my friend. Turner sets the screen. Oh, Whoa. Deep oh, no. Oh, no. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Born Ready to Pod podcast. Welcome to episode 58 of the Born Ready to Pod podcast. My name is Chris Cook, and here with me today I have the one and only Eric Hawk, and as well as we have today a special guest on this podcast episode. I'm not going to tell you who he is quite yet. But uh, Hawk, I would you would probably have to agree with me when I say this is probably the biggest guest that we've had on the show in quite some time. When you say that, it's, it's pretty much an understatement. This is the biggest guest we'll ever have on this podcast. <laughs> um, so today we're starting a new six-part series here. Uh, the NBA season is under 40 days away. It's quickly approaching. So what we want to do is uh, we're going to go uh, each division in the NBA – uh, so each week we'll be bringing a new division, uh, five different teams each week, and we're just going to be previewing everything that they did uh, last season as well as uh, the things that they did this summer, and then that way it's going to help us 
uh, for our NBA season preview show that we actually do in October um, for when we do rankings and things like that. So with today's episode, we are going to start with the Atlantic Division in the Eastern Conference. Um, so I'll just start it off here. Uh, I'd say the Atlantic Division is probably the best division in the Eastern Conference. Um just based on my own opinion, but to start things off, we obviously have to start with the defending champion Toronto Raptors. So the Toronto Raptors last season finished 58 and 24. They were second in the Eastern conference. And you could probably argue if Kawhi Leonard played more games, uh, during the regular season, maybe they would have uh, had a better record than that. Um, just, uh, you, we all know they were the NBA champions, but just to give you an idea of how they got there, uh, they defeated the Orlando Magic 4-1 to in the first round. The Philadelphia 76ers they beat uh, in seven games in the second round. That Kawhi shot that was heard around the world, uh, the one that bounced in, we all had seen that and we heard about it. Uh, the conference finals, they defeated the Milwaukee Bucks 4-2. Uh, to And then in the NBA finals where they became the champions, they beat the Reigning NBA champion, Golden State Warriors 4-2. The Warriors were obviously playing without two of their best players. Um, so it was kind of a mismatch there, but they are the champions. So, some notable additions this offseason for the Raptors. Um, if you want to call them notable, Stanley Johnson, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, and Cameron Payne. Cameron Payne's played for several NBA yeah. teams. Uh, draft picks, they didn't have a first-round draft pick this season. They had the 59th overall pick in the second round. They took Dewan Hernandez. So, shout-out Dewan from Atlanta. Um, so, notable <laughs> notable departing players they had, and this is a big one. They, they lost Kawhi Leonard to the Clippers. Uh, Danny Green, they lost. He went to the Lakers. And Jeremy Lin, uh, he went to China. So, uh, those are the three big losses. Three big losses they had, and if I told you that uh, you traded Stanley Johnson or you received Stanley Johnson, Hollis Jefferson, Cameron Payne for Kawhi Leonard, I'd say it was the worst trade in NBA history. But they won the ri- they won the ring, and that's all that matters. They're over under for this upcoming season forty five point five wins. So uh, people are obviously thinking uh, in Vegas that they could still they will still be a playoff team even with their current roster. Um, so the projected starters. As it sits here today, Kyle Lowry, Norman Powell, OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, Mark Gasol. Uh, and then to fill in their bench, they have Fred Van Vliet, uh, who will probably play uh, a lot of the backcourt minutes ahead of Norman Powell. Patrick McCaw, Stanley Johnson, Hollis Jefferson, and Serge Abaka. They are coached by Nick Nurse. So, Hawk, what do you think about the Raptors when you, uh, when I list off their projected starters and bench for this season. Yeah. Just, uh, as a projection, I, anywhere from two to four, I could see them finishing as far as record season and in the Atlantic division last year, obviously an unbelievable year for their franchise. That 76ers game was all time when, uh, Leonard hit that shot, losing a guy like that, you're never going to be the same team, obviously. And, they're starters. There's no real star power. You're going to rely a lot on Ananobi, who didn't even play last season. You're going to hope Siakam can you know, get the same kind of looks, Take maybe take another step, which, you know, without a guy on Kawhi Leonard, 
on your team, it's going to be harder for guys like Siakam and Lowry who struggled at points in their career, but, you know, it's a good thing they got that ring early for Siakam, and it's a good thing Lowry finally got a ring. Uh, Marcus Gasol, obviously, you know what you're getting with him, a good defensive center, obviously with some age on him, and Van Fleet's one, one of the best six men in the year in the league, especially after his playoff run last year. I think you can make an argument he was the second most important player on that team last year, shooting like 70-something percent from the field during the playoffs. So still definitely could see him being a playoff team if they stay healthy, but I wouldn't be surprised if they were fourth in this division. Uh, Yeah, man. I mean, I would trade uh, any scenario with them to win a ring and then have that starting lineup. It's obviously worth it. So how about you go ahead now with the 76ers? All right. Next up Philadelphia 76ers. Um, Last year they were 51 and 31 third in the East first round. They defeated Brooklyn four to one second round. They lost to the Raptors three to four, as just mentioned notable additions for them. Al Horford, Raul Nito, Kyle O'Quinn, and Josh Richardson. Their draft were, draft picks were Matisse Thibel at 20 and Mariel Shayuk at 54th. Notable players leaving their team. Obviously, Jimmy Butler went to Miami. TJ McConnell, now a pacer. Amir Johnson, not sure where he went. Did he? Do you know where he went? I have no idea. Yeah, and then Boban, J.J. Reddix, obviously, uh, with the Pelicans. Jonathan Simmons and Greg Monroe. So they definitely lost some depth, but adding Horford is a, is a, is a huge key for them. Their over-under is 54.5, which pretty high, but all things considered, it's very obtainable, I think. Projected starters for them, Ben Simmons, Josh Richardson, Tobias Harris, Al Horford, and Joel Embiid. Going to be a pretty tall team all around. Their bench consists of Raul Nito and Trey Burke, Zaire Smith, who was uh, injured last year, I believe. Did he ever? Did he play at the late last year? I, I think, think he, he only played. played uh, yeah, I don't think he played. I think he was eligible, but I don't think he played much. Okay, yeah, that's right. James Ennis, Mike Scott, who obviously got in a fight last week. Yeah. And former Pacer Kyle Quinn, head coached by Brett Brown, who I believe is the Australian national team coach, but I'm not 100% sure on that. And uh, what do you think about the 76ers ceiling, where they're projected, their additions, Horford, all that? I think they have the best starting five, no doubt, in the Eastern Conference. Um, I could yep. see that number, not them not hitting their over-under just because they might want to rest a lot of these guys during the season. And the one knock I will have, yeah, the one knock I will have on them is their bench is, is terrible. And... I know yeah. it. I know in playoff situations, you you play with like a seven, eight man rotation. You shrink it down, but if those guys get in foul trouble or they tire out, I mean that bench is just not pretty. And I think, I think really, I mean, looking at what they have in that starting five, I I mean, I favor the Bucks right now. But I mean, I think you if you look at just starting fives on paper, I would say this team's an NBA Finals bound. But that bench is just so bad that I think that it could, you know, I think. I think Milwaukee's just got the edge over them. Yeah, and what, what's the name of their GM again? Like, Brand Elton, Elton Brand. Elton Brand. I think is a guy that'll make moves. Yeah, if they see you know a hole there, so it'll probably get better in the long run. But I agree, and I just think Horford is just a guy that they needed bad. I mean, he got a huge deal, but he's going to be t- taking a lot of pressure off Embiid. You know, banging in the post a little bit and. 
Embiid, when healthy, can change the game, but he definitely still, I think, is out of shape for the playoffs. So that'll be the keys to me, and a lot of pressure on Zaire Smith coming off the bench. He, you hope he's a first-round talent, but you haven't really seen anything from him, obviously. But I definitely agree they're going to be a tough, tough team to beat when healthy. Yep, so next up here in the Atlantic Division, we have the Boston Celtics. Uh, the Celtics finished last season 49-33. and They were fourth in the Eastern Conference. Uh, that first round, they swept the Pacers, unfortunately, 4-0 um, until they were beat by the Milwaukee Bucks in the second round, uh, 1-4. to The infamous Paul Pierce saying, I think it's over after the Celtics won game one, and then the Bucks came back and won four straight. Uh, some notable additions. Uh, during the free agency period, they signed Kimball Walker and Enis Cantor. Um, and then draft picks-wise, they have several of these. Uh, Romeo Langford, they drafted him 14th overall. Grant Williams, 22nd overall. They got Carson Edwards with the 33rd overall pick, which I think is going to be a steal for them. Uh, Tremont Waters at 51st. And then Taco Fall at uh, undrafted. So um, I don't know if he's going to actually make the team, but it was interesting to see him in the summer league playing. Um, some notable departing players for the Celtics, Kyrie Irving, obviously, he went to the Nets, um, Al Horford, Aaron Baines, Marcus Morris, and Terry Rozier, so uh, some key players for them had left, and uh, so we'll see how it works out for them. Um, they still like them in Vegas, they're over under this season, is 48.5, so that might just be the Kyrie effect, they're just projecting them to be better without him. Um, so projected starters-wise, they have Kimba at the point, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Gordon Hayward, and Enes Kanter. So um, that's a pretty small starting five. It might not be exactly what they roll out game one, but that's just kind of a projection here today. And on the bench, they have Carson Edwards, Marcus Smart, who I feel like could also be in that starting rotation, uh, Romeo Langford, Grant Williams, and Robert Williams, and their head coach is obviously Brad Stevens. So what do you think about that trade-off for the Celtics? Obviously, I think they're going to be uh, take a little step back this season, but I still think they're coached, they have a great head coach, young guys who are willing to play hard for them, and Kimba's definitely going to be less of a distraction for him. So what do you think about the Celtics? Yeah, I could see Williams starting over Cancer, but I think all those other guys will for sure be starting. They just went heavy on the guards in the draft. Langford, Williams, Edwards, Tremont Waters with their first four picks, trying to find something, some way, you know, to replace Terry, what they lost. I mean, obviously they got Kemba and Kyrie. So they're going to, I think they're just going to be lacking scoring on the games Kemba can't play. I, I still think. I mean, what we've seen last, Brown and Tatum are inconsistent. Obviously, both still have a lot of potential athletically gifted, yada, yada, yada. I don't think Hayward is near the player he used to be, although he will have a perfect night shooting whenever he's back in Indiana. I just marked that down. But other than that, definitely not as an impressive-looking team when you just look at it on paper. But still going to be tough to beat, still well-coached, obviously. But, yeah, I don't. I wouldn't expect an Eastern Conference Finals from the Celtics this season. Uh, I would not either. Um, so let's move on now to the Brooklyn Nets, and I'll let you go over them. All right, Nets. Last year they were 42-40. and 40. They finished sixth in the Eastern Conference. They lost to Philadelphia one game to four. Notable additions. There are plenty. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, DeAndre Jordan, David Mwaba, Torian Prince, Garrett Temple, Wilson Chandler, Henry Ellison. 
Uh, with their draft pick, they picked Nicholas Claxton out of Georgia, 31st. Notable departing players for them, D'Angelo Russell, went to the Warriors, Damari Carroll, Alan Crabb, Ed Davis, Jared Dudley, and Ronde Hollis-Jefferson. Projected starters for the team, Kyrie Irving, Karis LeVert, Torian Prince, Rodness Kukos, DeAndre Jordan. Uh, for their bench, they got Spencer Dinwiddie, Garrett Temple, Joe Harris, Wilson Chandler, and Jared Allen. Uh, head coached by Kenny Atkinson. So my question for you is, do you think Joe Harris won't be started? Did he start last year? Yeah, he started. Um, so, uh, I don't know. I'm kind of high on Joe Harris just because I think he's the perfect modern player, that's one of the best set shooters in the league. So he could, he could start. He could be on the bench either way. I think he's a good player that inevitably won't be on this team the year after next because he'll probably garner more money for what he can do than what they're going to be able to afford. But, yeah, when healthy with, uh, obviously, Durant coming back, this will be a team next season that will obviously be one of the favorites. But this year, I mean, they're an injury away from just being at bottom of the barrel in the East again, in my opinion. I mean, Kyrie obviously changes a lot of things, but there's only so much upgrade from D'Angelo's year last year to Kyrie. And it'll definitely be an upgrade, but I don't see it being a huge upgrade. But uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think uh, if obviously if Durant was playing, they would be first overall in my eyes in the division. Um, with the Joe Harris, Torian Prince thing, I could see you flip-flopping those guys out. Um, even if they want to bring Lavert off the bench as kind of a six-man, but I don't think you pay Lavert what they paid him this offseason. I think he's going to be a starter as long as he's healthy. Uh, with Prince, I just think NBA teams kind of favor playing a defensive-minded player in the starting lineup. So I could see that you know that bench is going to be kind of lacking, especially with Wilson Chandler. He's suspended 25 games uh, for a drug violation, I think. So I think uh, Joe Harris coming off the bench would probably be uh, would be beneficial for them just because they're going to need scoring in that second unit. Um, and so, but he could ov- obviously be a guy who finishes games in the starting lineup if he doesn't start. So uh, I think you could probably expect this team right around where they were last year, maybe fifth or sixth in the East. Um, as it sits today, Durant not coming back or playing the season. I don't, I don't foresee them uh, getting home court in the East, but I could be wrong. They, they played really hard last year with the, with the guys they had. Um, but maybe it's going to be kind of like a Kyrie. It, it, it's kind of like a Kyrie Celtics team this year. You got a lot good, not as good young talent, but you have several, a lot of young talent on the team paired with Kyrie. So I don't know. They could make a little splash and surprise some people. But I see. I say fifth or sixth is probably uh, what they'll end up finishing in the East this year. Yeah, that's fair. They definitely have uh, one of the stronger benches in the East with Dinwiddie, Jared Allen. And Joe Harris, so yeah, definitely going to be decent. All right, and the last team here, and then we'll get our special guest on here uh, to help rank these with us. Um, we have the New York Knicks. Um, so the Knicks, usually the laughing stock of the NBA. Last season, they finished seventeen and sixty-five. They were last, dead last in the Eastern Conference at fifteenth. Um, some notable additions for the Knicks this offseason: they signed Julius Randle. Reggie Bullock, Wayne Ellington, Taj Gibson, 
Marcus Morris, Elfried Payton, and Bobby Portis. So a lot of new guys, a lot of them that play the same position. So it, it's really kind of confusing to me, but they have a lot of depth on their team, a lot of mediocre depth. Uh, draft picks-wise, they had the third overall pick. They took R.J. Barrett, so that was their biggest splash. Um, and then I'm going to try to say this guy's name, and I'm going to get it wrong, but they drafted him 47th overall in the second round, Ignas Brazdakis. So... Don't expect to hear much from Ignace this, this season. Um, some notable departing players, if you want to call it that. Mario Hazonia, DeAndre Jordan, Luke Cornett, Emmanuel Moutier, and Noah Vonley. So I could say the Knicks were terrible last season, but I think it's fair to say that they're going to be better this season. And Vegas likes them as well. Uh, they're over-under set at 26.5. So they're projecting about 9 to 10 more wins than they had last season. Uh, projected starters for the Knicks, Dennis Smith Jr., Kevin Knox, R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, and Mitchell Robinson. And then on the bench, I mean, it's kind of going to be just a cluster. They have Elfried Payton, Wayne Ellington, Marcus Morris, Taj Gibson, Bobby Portis. And then you also have Frank Nidalekina, Alonzo Trier, and Reggie Bullock. So they do have a lot of depth on the team. It's just a lot of guys who play the same position. Um, and then they are head coach in the second season, David Fisdale. So uh, what do you think about the Knicks? I know a lot of people were questioning their offseason moves. I think they're going to be better this year, but I still think they're going to be uh, not very good. So what do you think? I, st- I think they'll definitely have more wins, but I would take the under 26 and a half. Just not having the superstar. Knox didn't have a great year last year by any means. He was the youngest player in the NBA, but a lot of pressure on Barrett. A lot of depth at power forward, so I mean, we'll see. I, I don't think they'll get to twenty six and a half, and I think we've talked about the Knicks more than enough already. So, yeah. anything else on the Knicks? No, that's all I got. And actually, I lied because you know I don't really care about what two phone or excuse me, the guest project predictions are, and we got a lot of other stuff to talk to him about. So let's just go ahead and knock these standings out of the way. I'll go ahead and go with mine. And you do yours. I know they're probably the same exact, or maybe you have a little flip-flop. But I'll give you give you mine first. Uh, projected standings-wise, I have the 76ers finishing first overall in the division. Uh, on paper, they are the best team in the div- best team in the division, best starting five in the East. So I think uh, I think they'll easily finish first in the division. Followed by that, I have the Boston Celtics. I think that they're going to be better this season. Uh, just because there's not going to be much drama going around, I think Kimba is going to fit right in. And obviously when you got a guy like Brad Stevens, um, I think that they'll be just fine. Um, so I have them finishing second. Uh, followed by that, I have the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, that was a little tough one between the Nets and the Raptors. Um, if the Nets can stay healthy, I, I probably value them higher, even though they're slightly uh, undervalued over-under-wise against the Raptors, but I still think that they probably finish ahead of the Raptors. Um, and then fourth, I have the Raptors. I think that um, I still think they're going to play tough. I think they will be a playoff team. Um, I think there's going to be four playoff teams from this division, but the Raptors obviously taking a step back. They don't have a go-to guy to score in big moments, and they just have a lot of good average players on their team. So that's why I have them at fourth and the Knicks, obviously, if they were in another division, they might be finishing higher, but um, they're last in my eyes in this division. So what about you? Uh, I think one and five are set. Philadelphia for me. I'm going to mix it up between two, three, and four just to be a little interesting. I'll put the Raptors at two. 
just maybe because Nick Nurse is a great coach. They do have some decent depth. You never know. Celtics at three, Nets at four. Just for me, I, I think Nets, you know, if Kyrie, you know, gets another injury. He's been injury prone lately. Hate to say it, but he has. Then maybe they, they slip into that, that four spot. Maybe still make the playoffs, but I do like their depth now that I'm saying. I think all these teams are de- are going to be competitive. We're going to be seeing a lot of them as Pacers fans, obviously. So I'm just going to mix it up a little bit. I'll put the Raptors at two, and then Celtics three, Toronto four, or Boston four, Brooklyn four, whatever I just said. Okay. That sounds good to me. Perfect. All right, that's going to wrap up uh, our Atlantic Division preview. Next week, we're going to have a Western Conference team for you guys. But up next on the show, we have a special guest on the podcast episode. We're going to be talking all kinds of sports with him. And then also later in the show, we have Colts player profiles to wrap that up. So we'll be right back after this. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you'd take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if they weren't the best. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet the football this season, bet with my bookie. Did you know you could bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of the year. Join now and my bookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code CHAIR, that's C-H-A-I-R, to activate the offer. That's promo code CHAIR. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Alright, as we just mentioned, we have a huge guest here on the show today with us. The first time in a long time, (laughs) probably one of the biggest guests we've ever had on the show uh, special guest, we're going to let you introduce yourself and uh, tell us what you do for a living. Um, hi guys, my name is Jake Light. Um, I used to be hardcore into Born and Ada Pod until my life uh, became all athletic director all the time. So um, for those of you who remember me, I was the guy with the annoying voice that had all the wrong takes and just got mad for no reason. And... Um, yeah, that's pretty much me in a nutshell, but I'm back, 20-minute session here, carved some time out for Chris and Hawk and uh, for the Born Ready to Pod listeners, so I couldn't be more pumped to be back today. All right, let's start this the way, only way we can. Brown's thoughts. We got to dive right into them. <laughs> All right, listen, so I got cocky, honestly. So I, I tweeted before the game, I can't stop thinking about going 1-0. So we drive down the field. If you watch the Browns game, we drove down the field. Three minutes. Boom, boom, boom. Baker, 80 yards in the air. Just some stupid shit. Touchdown. Couldn't have been more happy. All of a sudden, can't move the ball. Our left tackle, dude, it got so bad. The left tackle kicked some random safety. We had to move on right tackle to left tackle. We had a tight end playing tackle because we didn't even carry enough offensive linemen. It was literally the biggest shit show of all time. We had like 19 penalties. We broke a record that was set in 1951. 
And they were penalties. They were penalties, dude. <laughs> exactly. My dog's even freaking out. Of but that's the way it crumbles. Brown sucked, and I'm hoping they win on Monday Night Football. And my dog just wants to be heard, so it's nice. If they lose to the Jets, what, what kind of mode do we go into? Um, if they lose, to, listen. If they lose to the Jets without Sam Darnold, you might as well. It's it's not going to be good. Like, it's going to be terrible. And I will go Army Death. I'm not giving up on anything yet, but you can't. If they lose to a Jets team without Sam Darnold, like what the hell are we doing? Like what's even the point of living? I might, I might honestly, it'd be worse than the Victor Oladipo injury. It's just might as well. It's over. It's over. Okay, and do, do the Colts have any shot against the Titans, or are they just these world beaters from another dimension? No. So here's the thing. Here's the thing with the, the Titans have a real defense. Like I think, I think they they will struggle. I think the I think the Colts will struggle to move the ball. But I do think, you know, as fun as it sounds, I think the Colts defense is well equipped to stop the run. I think they'll they'll be fine. I think they'll have a good game plan. I think it'll be a low scoring game though. Yeah, I agree. I think they have a chance to win, though. I mean, that's all you can ask for. That's really all you can ask for in any given week is just the chance to be there at the end. Hopefully your kicker makes a couple kicks and you're on to the next one. So, yeah, Hawk, how about you just talk about that Colts game real quick. Your thoughts, what pissed you off. Just go go in on it, and then we'll you know we'll talk about it. There's only one thing that really pissed me off, and that was Venetary. Like I even said after the first kick, this guy, as of late, I mean, over his last four games, he's missed, like, Four field goals, like three extra points. He's like 50% kicking in his last four games. That's not a recipe for success. We're never going to cut this guy because he's 46 years old. He's played 24 NFL seasons. I mean, if he has a bad week this week and loses us another game and we hold on to him, like I, as a Colts fan, I don't even know what I'm going to do. Like I've, I've been on the cut him train forever. I don't know. Finding a replacement's a whole nother story. I know that there's not any solid replacements just sitting around for NFL kickers. So that's a whole different story, but you got, if he makes one of those, we win the game. If Ebron catches that, we make the game. I mean, that's the NFL. Of course it comes down to one or two plays, but I mean, come on, Vinatieri, come on. I couldn't be more happy with the way Brissett played. Obviously Max shocked a lot of people, but that's just how good our line is. We're going to have those holes for sure. And, Max a good enough player to hit him and explode. So even without that 63-yard touchdown he had, he's over 100 yards. So that's the way we're going to be playing the rest of the year. I hope we don't divvy from that formula because it's a winning formula. Run the ball, don't turn it over. Percent only incomplete six passes. One goes off Do- dumbass Doyle's head. The other's dropped. One's dropped by Funches when he gets injured. I mean, he only had maybe two bad tosses all day, so I couldn't be more happy about Percent going forward. But it's just a game we should win, and it comes down to a coin toss at the end of the day. But my God, Terry, you got to give me something. Yeah, I listen. If his name was John Smith, he would not be in the NFL. No, he'd be cut at halftime. Terry, he hit some, he hit some kicks a few years ago. Like damn near twenty years ago now, Hawk. <laughs> no, he, he played more years with the Colts than the Patriots. Exactly. Like, he hit some big kicks 20 years ago when Rich Gannon was still in the league, and now he's, yeah. he's just living off of it. Like, is he the greatest kicker of all time? Sure, but, like, like does that help Colts fans like, get to the playoffs this year? Hell no. Like, no. what's he supposed to do? We need to get Grandpa into a nice, nice retirement home, settle him down, take him out to pasture all nice-like, but we got to have some. I mean, I'm scared for the future because – 
we've always been pretty solid. Vanderjet to Vinatieri. Obviously, Vanderjet missed a huge kick. Not a great kicker at the end of the day, but, I mean, he was historically great up till that point. And then just going to Vinatieri was a great like, – he's over the hill. Get, get, yeah. him, get him out of town. I don't want to do this anymore. Chris, how do you feel about Vinatieri? I was pissed. I mean, I was – I was saying things that probably in the moment I, I didn't 100% mean. Um, like what? Like what were you saying? Like, I, don't, I, I don't remember. We'd have to go back and look. I mean, I was just in some kind of mode. Did you, you hope that Terry's kids die? Did you say anything like No, that? I would never wish that on anybody. That was... <laughs> Time out. Time out. Listen, you would. You would, though. I'm pretty Dwayne Wade's kids ill several times back in the day. I would never wish that on anybody at any stage of my career. Okay. How could you believe? I mean, he used to hate Dwayne Wade so much. Yeah, I would never wish that. I might have been like, man, I hope he breaks his ankle here. But that was just in the moment. Obviously, it would be a dick move if it happened. You 100% said I wouldn't care if that guy died. 100%. I'd never have said that. Stop. I don't just necessarily, I mean, just as far as death, it wouldn't bother me. Like, I mean, I move on with my day if that's what we're talking about. Okay. This got really dark. Anyway, the NFL came out this week, and they said that, uh, that uh, I forget who it was uh, on the defensive line. He had jumped over the snapper, and that ended up, it was supposed to be three points, but they gave the Chargers an extra four because um, they scored a touchdown that play. So the NFL said they got that call wrong. How much bullshit is that? That you know, It's kind of like the two-minute report in the NBA. They come out later and say, we got that wrong, but you get nothing for it. Like, what do you... Wait, say what they say again? Say it again. They just said that the... They said that they got that call wrong. They said that there was no penalty on the play and that it should have just been a field goal. Why, why was there no penalty? Because to me, it looked like he literally, like... Just jumped over him with the hands. Yeah, but it has been said the NFL office has released a statement that said it was not a penalty. That's bullshit. Like it looked like everyone agreed it was a penalty. Just retroactively going back and saying that wasn't a penalty that makes me no less happy. Like fuck that. Yeah, it's it's stuff like this. Did you see this? I mean, kind of going back. Did you see the Saints got screwed again? Yes. Like what? But they won. So like I know, but like you're an NFL official that makes. Like, the best story I have is a couple years ago, I got a technical foul in a game. The referee had just got back the day before from refing the Atlanta Falcons. It was when they went to the Super Bowl and lost to the Patriots. He was doing the uh, NFC Championship game, and he was, like, bragging about how great it was, and then he was the worst basketball official I've ever seen. Like, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't translate. doing? Like, dude, it's your job to be an official. Like, stop sucking at your job. Like, just know the rule book. You're getting paid like a hundred thousand dollars a year to throw a freaking yellow flag. Just know when you're supposed to throw it. Know when you're not. Like I don't get it. It's it's one of those. It's one of the more perplexing. It's the human element in sports everyone talks about, but I I hate it. Let's get the robots out here. Let's let's call it a clean game. I love it, dude. Let's just create robots and then make a shit ton of money. Down. Why are we doing that? <laughs> I don't know anything about nanotechnology or any of that, but I feel like never too late to learn. I feel like that'd be right up Chris's alley. I wouldn't create robots just for the simple fact that one day if you create one that's too smart, you've seen those movies. It's not smart. You don't do that. It's like Jurassic Park. You're not going to make a, a dinosaur world. The repercussions. Yeah, you guys watch the new Bill Burr stand-up? No. no thought about it. He's got a segment in there where he talks about a 60 minutes segment where they interview a robot and they ask the robot what its goals are. 
and it just flat out says to become smarter than humans. And then Bill Burr goes on this unbelievable rant about what the hell are we doing right now? It's pretty hilarious. I love it. All right, one more topic here, and then we'll end on a basketball note because this is a basketball podcast. We've talked basketball and football today. Antonio Brown, the the, uh, back and forth. We haven't talked about this yet. Getting his way out of Oakland through all those episodes – you know, everybody has a story, the helmet, everything else. He got fined, went on to Instagram. He's a big baby. Now, when he got cut, we all knew he was going to the Patriots. So what are your thoughts on that situation? And then the news came out after he signed with the Patriots about the sexual assault cases. Uh, he hasn't been charged, but it is a rumor out there and obviously not good timing-wise for Antonio. So what do you think about that whole storyline in the NFL season? Probably the craziest storyline we've seen in the NFL probably during our lifetime, I would say, from the past couple months with him. I'm so tired of A.B. Like, I used to love Antonio Brown just because I thought of he was the underdog with the chip on his shoulder that just exploded under the league. But I've lost all respect for the man. I, hopefully it's not CTE, brain damage related, all that bullshit. But he, he just seems like a psychopath at this point. So whatever help he needs, get it. Because it's at a point now where it's like, I don't even know what to believe. Like, there's so much shit coming out, and, like, I've just become numb to it at this point. Uh, him and the Patriots, not surprising. Classic Patriots. They're going to cut him after the year no matter what because they're not going to pay him what he, he gets that second year. So maybe this was his plan all along. Maybe, But, I mean, Derek Carr didn't look bad. I mean, he was thrown to Tyrell Williams, so I don't know why he would want out of that situation necessarily unless he just got there and realized it was a complete shit show, which is a young season. Maybe it was, maybe it is, but... It's definitely one of the weirder things that has happened in sports. Yeah, I don't know. The whole AB thing, you just sit there and you watch this guy. It couldn't have been any more clear that he was just trying to get out of Oakland. Like, yeah. Dude, he freaking fro- – he was so desperate, he, like, froze his feet off. <laughs> like, what are you t- like, what are you talking about? He froze his feet off, and then he proceeded to, like, complain about a helmet. Like, what are you talking about, dude? You're, like – getting ready to make 19 million dollars they're trying to give you the safest helmet on the market like it made no sense and so i mean like this just get off the screen and then all of a sudden they're saying like he's raping like seriously like what in the world what are we doing with this i think he the report claims he was louis ck not exactly a full rape but uh exposing himself in front of women and and doing the damn thing so listen like 100 percent here complete transparency I thought that the story went, and I haven't like seen it. I don't. I don't even have good service in my office, so like I don't. Like, Lies. No, that's the truth. Like I really don't. So, like I thought that it started out with him, Louis C.K., and then he started getting physical with this chick, and then it got maybe. I, I didn't read too much into it because that kind of that stuff freaks me out. And yeah, it's just weird. Not at the great. same time, you just never know who to believe, and that's not saying one way or the other. That's just a fact, and it's right. One of those things I hope I'm never even close to involved with. Yeah, like you don't want to be in the vicinity of one of those allegations. But it just seems like he just like blew it off. He's like, oh, yeah, it's not true. Like, whatever. Him and Peyton Manning both just blew it off like it was nothing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, Peyton's got a little more credibility. He sure does. He sure does. Well, let me just say one thing. What's weirder, the whole Aaron Hernandez being like a murderer or Antonio Brown being a psychopath? As far as weird, weird goes... Uh, weird's a strange word. I'd say weirder is Antonio Brown, as bad as that sounds, but just because murder, I wouldn't classify murder as weird. Murder's just like, murder's murder. Yeah, murder, murder's <laughs> like, like, weird is like, 
sometimes I, you know, shave my pubes and staple them on my face. That's weird. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that was straight murder. So I, it's kind of like a different a tone for me. All right. Well, I can't top what Hawk just said, so <laughs> I want to move on to basketball. I Wait, hold on. Basketball. I got one one side question for basketball. What's it like having two phones? Is it, is it hard to deal with? Do you have some apps on one phone you use and others on another? Well, what, what goes on with all that? Let me tell you, and I, I'm very happy you asked that question because I'm being referred to in my friend circle as two phones. <laughs> and it's, it's very tough to live knowing that, like, I feel phantom vibrations all day long. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not good. And, and so my biggest fear in all this is that my friends find out my work number because that would be the worst thing. Uh-oh. You know what I mean? Yeah, that would be bad. It would be bad. I mean, could you imagine Chris Cook actually having my work phone? Like, I'd be fired in 10 minutes. Like, they would, like, they would see what, what's being sent to my phone. It's like, it's over. So I would say having two There is a strong rumor out there that there are two phone numbers that have been tracked down. So by process of elimination, one of them will be your phone. <laughs> well, that's that's not great. That's that's not that's good. not great at all. Not not good. Um, but honestly, having two phones not fun. And some people actually give up that second phone. But like, I'm just afraid that my friends would do and say something crazy on purpose just to like push the line. Not to get me, you know, fired. But like, they would just send questionable things just to push it. <laughs> I mean, does that sound like Chris Cook to you, Hawk? Not, not at all, and I, I wouldn't know anything about a possible attempt this weekend to grab your phone or anything like that. I, I don't know anything about oh, it. <laughs> well, I'm not pretty well, 100% they're going to trick me into like giving up my phone. No, that not them, not Chris. I did want to say, last note on here on the Antonio Brown thing. Uh, oh, we're back, okay. No, one thing is I want to make sure I covered was O.J. Simpson. Um, oh, I love O.J. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> he came out and he made a Twitter video like he always does, and he was quoted saying about Antonio Brown and the uh, ass- sexual assault case, I saw where somebody accused Antonio of rape. Now let's make one thing clear. He was accused, not charged. Oh, <laughs> so. strong. Dude, you know what? I do want to say this about OJ, because I've watched every single like OJ documentary possible. Like, People do they realize that the glove actually did not fit? <laughs> Nobody realizes that. Nobody Nobody's really, talking about it. Yeah, no one's talking about it. So let's cut OJ some slack and let's at least let him have his fair, you know, fair fair share of uh, public optimism when it comes to Antonio Brown. You're Antonio Brown. Do you just say, "Look, OJ, just please don't just just let no, me"? I think I think you enjoy it. I mean, OJ Simpson joining Twitter is either the greatest thing to ever happen to Twitter. It would, I don't think it's the best because people are ta- or the worst because people are talking about it. It's, yeah. it's one of the more polarizing things to ever happen, I think. Yeah. Oh, 100%. You're not wrong. The best is when you just read the replies to him on Twitter. Yeah. The murder puns are usually, you know. Yeah. You know, they're deadly. They're deadly. All right. Uh, last note here, and then we're going to wrap this up. Um, Basketball-wise. We have uh, the only thing that's came out, and we've went over our division preview already, and we don't really care what your standings look like because you don't even know what division we were probably talking about. Well, listen, I think that that's false. I think the fans do care because they need to know exactly how to pick against me. Okay, Atlantic Atlantic Division, rank the five teams. Okay, I actually did these rankings because I was ready to go. Number one for me would be the Philadelphia 76ers. Number two 
The Brooklyn Nets. Whoa! That's what I said. Number three, the Boston Celtics. Number four, the Toronto Raptors. And number five, the New York Knicks. Yep. Got to put the Knicks on the bottom. I, I liked it. So, anyways, that's mine. Feel free to pick against it. I'm sure the Celtics will be way better than I think. All right, go, Cook. Sorry. Why do you have the Nets so high? Um, I I just really like – I think they have a nice mix of, of players. I like Karis LeVert. And, honestly, I think Tareem Prince is honestly super underrated. Um, and Jared Allen, I think you could trade Jared Allen. They need they need a power forward really bad. And they – I mean, eventually KD will slide in there next year. But you they need to trade Jared Allen and try to get try to get some pieces. And I, I just like that team better. I think Kyrie will be, like, be on a mission. And uh, I just don't really like the Celtics as much as everybody else. Like I, I have to see it from Jason Tatum, and they can even they can even go win against a bunch of poor countries. So why would I trust? Why would I trust the Boston Celtics? I mean, they they cost us. They cost us basically. So. You think France is a poor country? Well, okay, I, a bunch of other poor countries. <laughs> All right. I, mean, I hate it, but whatever. Go last ahead. last note here: Pacers fan jam was announced. October thirteenth. It's a Sunday. It's my wife's birthday, so I don't know about me. But what are you going to be going? Are you going to be in attendance? Is there a Colts game that day? Um, yes. I mean there is, but I don't know if it's home or away. If it's if it's if it's home after the Colts game, I'll be there. But I don't know. If the whole crew's not there, I don't think I would roll roll in, roll in there alone. Uh, okay. The Colts are off that week. Oh, they're off. So maybe, but I'd probably be on my couch watching football, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I just, you know, they just, I think the fan jam is just worse now than it was. Remember, Chris, <laughs> when we used to go and we used to, like, get in line, or we'd get, like, front row seats one year, or we would go to the autograph lines and get who we want. You can't even do that anymore. Like, it's bullcrap. I will say this, though. Dewan's coming up from Georgia, and oh, Jeremy, du- Jeremy W. Miller has said that we need to be there. I mean, should we be there? Yeah, we should. And that I believe that just so happens to fall on my fall break, so I actually probably could make it. Whatever. It all comes down to the wife, what the wife wants to do. Yeah. All right, so uh, before we end this discussion, two phones, I'm going to let you just say something to the listeners. Uh, since this might be the last time they hear from you from a couple weeks and they haven't heard from you for a month, so talk to the listeners. Give them a nice little ending here because – you've been absent from their lives and they want to hear from you. Yeah, I'm sure they're all just sitting on the edge of their seats. Just know, Born Ready to Pod listeners, that I will be, as soon as I get things calmed down in the job, I promise I'm not going anywhere. This is just a very difficult time for That's me. That's what you think. Well, I might be getting fired. I mean, that, that, that could happen. Yes, I could be getting fired. Chris might have just fired me and I didn't know it. Very passive-aggressive there. Uh, but seriously, I totally miss like just hanging out with the guys. I I just miss it. So it's just life is just coming super fast, um, and it's it's tough. I mean, I just got home and it's like seven thirty, so not the best. But I love my job. I love the school I'm you know working for. So it's all working out. It's just a lot of kinks that we're we're trying to make perfect. And as soon as it it gets straight, we'll be good. Sounds like you need a strong assistant. I do. I have. I have the best secretary in the world. She's amazing. All right. Well, there you go. That's the start. Yeah, she's great. And All it's right. kind of weird though because, like, I'm 
like as you guys know, like I'm pretty young, and so my old baseball coach's wife is my assistant. So oh. I'm pretty pretty sure she still thinks I'm like 12 years old, but that's okay. That, that <laughs> works. She still brings me cookies and uh, she puts up with my bullcrap because I'm locked in this tiny little office all day. You can imagine me bouncing off the walls with my ADD. So, but I heard you have a new couch. There was a rumor about you and a new couch in your office. There is, and guess what? I painted a wall red. I have a red wall. I have a couch. I got a new little. I got a new like meeting area. So they're hooking me up. Um, they're making life easier on me. It's just I'm trying to learn it. Learn a job kind of on the run. So they obviously got. I got hired super late in the process because our former AD left. So I love it. I wouldn't trade it for anything except maybe a few hours sleep here and there. All right, that's going to wrap this part up. Guest was two phones here today, and then now we're going to go into our player profiles, final play pro- player profiles for the Colts with Hawk and I, two phones and stepping off, coming up right after this. Hey, Chris, remember the days when you were always ready to go? Yes. <laughs> Specifically in the bedroom. Do you want to increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed? I know you do. Well, listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know it works. You can take them anytime, day or night, on a full stomach or empty. And since they are chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. Wow. So you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises, because I know you like to seize an opportunity when you see it, Chris. Oh, Absolutely. If you could benefit from extra function and more confidence when it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Most, most guys talk a good game, but Blue Chew helps you follow through. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. Doctor's visits are literally the worst. They're made in the U.S. of A., and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners and Chris. <laughs> Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code ARMCHAIR. Just pay $5 shipping. That is ARMCHAIR, B-L-U-E-CHU.com, promo code ARMCHAIR to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. All right. We are now on to the last part of our Colts player profiles. Today we have the tight ends and the safeties. So I'm going to hand it off now to Hawk. And he, as you guys all know how it goes by now, he's going to go over each player in the position for you. And then we'll discuss and go from there. So Hawk, it's all yours. All right. First up, we're going to do safeties. First up for safeties, Clayton Gathers, the free safety number 26. Um, Gathers is entering his fifth season with the Colts. Gathers is 27. He went to Central Florida. He played 12 games in 2018, 5 in 2017, and 9 in 2016. Safe to say, this man has had a long injury history. In his 12 games he played last season, he had 89 tackles. Um, this Sunday, he played 57 of 64 snaps, which is a good sign for Gathers. He did not practice on Thursday, giving him time off this week. I would like to see him just come out and absolutely dominate and lose the injury bug stigma. But there's no question when he plays, he's a very 
you know, competent, strong, uh, up-in-the-box kind of safety. He's going to defend the run. He's going to lay hard hits when he can. Not quite Bob Sanders, but he kind of looks like Bob Sanders. Do you have any thoughts on Clayton Gathers, the injured man? Nope. It's like I say with these a lot of guys. A lot of these guys stay on the field and be productive. Yeah, that's the one thing. I mean, I just remember when we drafted him so long ago, just thinking, you know, this guy could be the Bob Sanders replacement. He just never could, you know, stay healthy. On May 6, 2015, um, we signed him to a four-year, $2.8 million contract. So I think I'm pretty sure this is the last year of that contract. So he's also in a contract year. It'd be interesting to see. <clears throat> yeah, they uh, re- re-upped him for one more year, and uh, we'll see what he does this year yeah. and if that can warrant a, a contract this offseason for additional seasons. There's a lot of guys I'm going to mention that I don't know their future with the Colts. And Gathers is definitely one of them. He's got to stay healthy if he wants to be on this roster. He, he could still get a chance somewhere else just because of what he brings, but definitely got to stay healthy. Next up, his uh, backup, Kari Willis. Uh, number 37, this guy's a rookie out of Michigan State. Willis played free safety at Michigan State and uh, did a little bit of everything with that defense. Um, actually, he played strong safety, correct? Eberflus is, a con- is convinced he can be a similar player in the NFL, but for now, I believe his best attribute is a box safety to help stop the run, kind of what the free safety is supposed to do. Um, two tackles against the Chargers on Sunday. Definitely struggled as a rookie. Um, he played only six snaps, though, so I, I'd still like to see him grow a little bit. I don't know if he's going to be a Gathers-type replacement, but definitely good to see him at least get 16 snaps, and that could go up, and he's going to be asked to play at least three or four games just by himself if, if you take the injury consider consideration. So that does it for the free safeties. Do you have any thoughts on Kari Willis? Uh, no, just – Pretty much a Ballard thing to do is getting depth at each position. So uh, positional battle-wise, if you aren't performing well, you got someone else to go to. And as we just said, the injury history is always there. So it's someone else that can come in and fill in when uh, in case Gathers isn't able to play. Mm-hmm. For sure. Next up, Malik Hooker, number 29, strong safety. Third year for the ball hawking safety out of Ohio State. Hooker's still 23 years old. Uh, as a rookie, he signed a fully guaranteed four-year, $12.5 million deal. I, I believe this was Ballard's first draft pick. In his rookie season, he impressed uh, early in that season. I, I, think he had like a, I think he had a pick in his first game he actually played. And then he tore his ACL midway through the season. Devastating blow for that team. And then last season, I, I kind of thought he got off to a slow start, as did everyone on the Colts. But I think he was a huge part of the success in the latter part of the year and winning nine in a row, 10 out of 11, all that. He, his interception versus Rivers just just sums it up. I mean, that was one of the more athletic, just insane plays you're going to see. And it was in the red zone, crucial moment. And that's what we're going to ask him to do. He's going to need to make big plays for the defense. Him, Leonard. Kenny Moore and, you know, two Ray and Houston. Those are the guys you want to make just those monster plays, and that's why they're here. So definitely a good first game for him. So I, I hope he can stay healthy as well. Do you have any uh, thoughts on Hooker? No, that pick was uh, very exciting. I stood up and I was got electric. You know, just that was at a point when the Chargers were marching down the field and they were going to put some points on the board, and it was going to pretty much determine the Colts were going to lose at that point. 
uh, before they lost, and that pick was just electric, one-handed grab, um, and then that definitely pulled the momentum back in the Colts' side. So, yeah, making plays like that is what he's got to do. Um, it's just unfortunate they weren't able to pull that one out. Yeah, definitely. We talked about it earlier, as, as you guys know, of course. Next up, George Odom, number 30. Uh, he's an undrafted second-year guy out of Central Arkansas. I don't really have anything on this guy. Uh, I think he, he struggled some. He, he plays uh, a lot of special teams. Uh, he's 25 years old. I believe he's a senior bowl guy that we got, so you probably don't have anything on George Odom. I do not, no. Yeah, he was undrafted, so hopefully he never has to play that much as long as Hooker stays healthy. So next up, we'll go to the tight ends. First up, number 85, Eric Ebron, entering his sixth season in the NFL, second with the Colts. Ebron was the 10th pick in the 2014 draft by the Lions. I want you to guess how old Eric Ebron is, Chris. I'm going to guess he is, he said he was drafted in 14. Yeah. I'm going to guess he is 25. Okay, he's 26, which 25 is a little, on the, I thought you might have guessed a little higher, so. He just turned 26 in April, so he's going to be 26 all year. But he's still so young. I mean, I'm freaking 27, and this guy's a year younger than me. He has, I know he has a couple kids. He seems like he's got his life all figured out, and he's definitely made his money in the NFL. Last year, he had a career year across the board with luck. Ebron is in a second year of a two-year contract worth $13 million. Last season, I think we could all agree he was worth every penny. But this year, I worry a lot about Ebron. He's in a contract year. Last season, he balled out with luck. They just had unbelievable chemistry. If he struggles, if he struggles like you think he will, I, I doubt he'll be back next season because it might be a little too much asking price. He could probably get more elsewhere just with the year he had with an explosive quarterback the year before. So it's between him and Doyle. They're both in the contract year. I bet we try to retain one of them just because we're so young anywhere else unless we, we look at that position in the draft or something. I don't know. But uh, he had that big drop in the end zone that Jacoby threw a perfect ball to him. So, and it was a close call. Looks like he had control all the way to the end. So, I mean, that's always been a knock on Ebron was drop balls. And last season, I thought he kind of shook it a little bit. He didn't have that many. And this year he starts off the year with a big one. So I think he only had one catch last week too. So he's not looking good as a fantasy option by any means. Do you have any, uh, Ebron thoughts? Yeah. That, uh, touchdown, uh, catch obviously I'm biased and I'm saying it was a catch it's a 50-50 ball but nonetheless he needed to come down with that um and yeah I mean I see him now especially with uh Funches being out I think that maybe he can he'll be used a lot more than he was last week um especially in those red zone targets I think he's always going to be an option there but my god he's got to catch the ball if he I mean we gave Vinatieri a lot of crap um, but had he caught that and that was a touchdown, very likely the Colts are 1-0 going into week two. Yeah, for sure. And I, he runs a guy that he's easy to, to root for. He's kind of the energizer bunny. If you, if you watch any of the highlights, he's always got something to say in the huddle. Guys love playing with him. He's a good locker room guy. So I wish nothing but the best for you, Bron, but I just definitely worry about him this season a little bit. Mm-hmm. Next up, Jack Doyle, 84. He's entering his seventh NFL season with the Colts. He's out of Western Kentucky. Jack is 29 years old. In 2017, he signed a three-year contract extension with the team, so he's also in a contract year. 
2017, Doyle was a pro bowler, and last year he was injured a lot of the year. It will be interesting to see how Ballard approaches the tight end spot after the season, like I just said. And traditionally, Reich runs an offense that loves athletic tight ends that can do it all, especially, you know, run, run blocking, as, as we'll get into with the depth. But I, I kind of always thought Doyle was just a great player. And then last year, I think it was the Cincinnati game, he had that big drop and a loss. And ever since then, I kind of just thought he's been on the downswing a little bit. I think he had one catch as well last week. So do you have any thoughts on Doyle? He's definitely going to come, bring his energy. He's a good run-blocking tight end. But as far as like an athletic or like a fantasy option, I, I wouldn't touch him. <clears throat> Speaking of that, he is on my fantasy team, so I did. I did touch him. Um, and right now he currently sits as my backup. So no, I, no, no. He's, he, a, he's my third string. Yeah, he'll have a couple games. Uh, hopefully, we can see him not get exactly back to that 17 level. But, you know, um, the uh, the options on the Colts' offense right now, he's going to have plenty of chances to make plays. So, when he does get those chances, he needs to execute. And like you, with that uh, Bengals drop that you had just mentioned, that's one thing that is playing in the back of my mind about him as well. I was high on him, and then that happened. So he needs to come out, maybe have a couple big games, and then we can all forget about that. Yeah, for sure. Um, next up, Mo Alley Cox, number 81. He's 25 years old, second-year guy out of Virginia, Virginia Commonwealth. And did you know this, Chris? He played basketball. I don't know if you've heard. I did know this. I think it's her, they say that on yeah, every it, telecast. Yep, so if you've ever watched a game, you already knew this. He was a 1,000-point scorer at VCU, and he's their all-time leader in field goal percentage. Fun wow. fact, this is a basketball podcast. All you got to know about this guy is his catch last year against the Raiders. I mean, the ability to go up and get it, great hands, very athletic. Uh, if you watched the Thursday night game with Jimmy Graham last week where he just Rodgers just flipped it up to him, that's kind of what you want him to do, especially in the red zone. He's just trying to put all the pieces together, but still some room to grow. Hopefully he hasn't been playing football, you know, consistently that long, obviously. So he's just one of those guys that tons of upside. Do you have any thoughts on Mo Alleycox? Great name. What was the other guy? Uh, Eric uh, Swope, Swoop, whatever it was. Yeah, the uh, Colts are very high on getting these basketball guys um, at the tight end position. So uh, Swope is no longer on the team. So Mo Alleycox has got to fill that role. Um, and interesting to see if he can, you know, if one of those tight ends get hurt, he can step in and play, make a good impact for the Colts this year. But other than that, I don't really see him, uh, doing anything except for maybe he'll have a catch here and there every couple of games. So, yeah, he's a guy next year that if you evaluate him, think he's ready, could take the leap if we don't re-sign the guys ahead of him. Next up, Hale Hinches. He's the fourth uh, tight end on the roster. He beat out Ross Travis in a, in a competitive fourth spot. He's a 23-year-old rookie out of Alabama. I think he was strictly kept over Ross Travis because of his ability to be a run-blocking tight end. He was a staple on those Alabama teams for four years, and he was just an amazing run-blocking tight end. So he found his way on an NFL roster and also a guy we could see in the future, but probably not a lot this season. And that concludes safeties and tight ends. Wow. So I have to ask you before we wrap this up, Colts player profiles, do you feel that you're much more knowledgeable now after doing all that research on the Colts? Do you feel like, uh, you know, you you would, if someone quizzed you, 
would you be able to pass a quiz on all these details that you've given me? Oh, 100%. I think definitely helped me out on the younger guys, like Hale Hentges especially. I didn't know anything about him. Uh, Corey Willis, I didn't really know anything about him either. Guys like EJ Speed, doing a little research. I mean, they're all, we're young across the board everywhere, you know, and I feel like a lot of NFL teams are, there's a lot more undrafted guys that make rosters than you'd think. But I think specifically, we got to be one of the youngest teams. If you take Vinatieri off as numbers, we got, I think we're like in the top five youngest teams in the NFL and just luck, Brissett for luck. I mean, we did add Hoyer, I guess, so that probably hurts our average, but we are still very young across the board, a lot of room to grow. Looked promising after that. I'd say that first quarter, we did not look good. And then after that, I thought we looked like a competent, solid NFL team until overtime when we just let them run into the end zone for we didn't even think about stopping them. So other than that, a lot of promise still in the season for sure. Yep, and that's going to wrap up the Colts player profile series. Can't wait until next year's uh, player profiles. Hopefully we have some bigger names we can go over. Um, And that's also going to wrap up this episode of the Born Ready to Pod podcast, episode 58. We had the uh, preview there for you guys. And uh, also the Colts player profiles and a special guest today, Jake Light. We really appreciate him coming back on as a guest. So that's going to wrap up this episode, guys. Appreciate you listening.